Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to get right into the Word of God today. Um, we're still in this series uh, called Kingdom Dynamics. Uh, and the title of my message today is Broken Arrows and Spider Webs. Yes, that's right. Broken Arrows and Spider Webs. As we begin today, I want to lay uh, a foundation uh, with the context of where I'm going. And it's very important that you understand the context because you'll understand what I mean by broken arrows and spider webs. So I'd love for you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 uh, and we'll start reading from verses 1 and 2. And it says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, God has set a race for us. It's the race called life. It's the race of our faith. And I really believe that the writer of Hebrews is saying that God has individually tailor-made a race for every single son and daughter in His kingdom. If you're watching me today, God has a race for you. And it's not just a quick race, it's a race of endurance. And if you're in our church, if you believe in long life, guess what? This is a long race. <laughs> so it's going to be, our life is full. It's an adventure with God. And this race that God has called us into is, is, is a race that God has personally tailor-made. It's, it's a bespoke race for, for each one of us. Your race is different from mine, and my race is different from anybody else's race. But we are all called to run our own race. Uh, he's saying, therefore, we also, which means we're, we're part of a group of people that he's talking about. Uh, and he's saying, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, which means there's a, a, a cloud of, of witnesses. There are, there are witnesses around us that are witnessing us run this race, which means at this very moment, there are people who have run their race that are watching you and me today and the choices that we make in the kingdom of God. And they're, they're looking to see whether you will finish your race well whether the choices that you make today, how are you making those choices? Because they've made choices and today you're making choices while you run this race. So the, so the context of, of chapter 12 is in chapter 11. And in chapter, chapter 11 is what I call the, the, the great hall of faith. Uh, and the writer of Hebrews puts these people, their names, in this chapter. He starts the chapter 11 by describing faith. And he says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By this, by faith, you know, the, 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 the elders have obtained a great 
report. Now, you must understand, they've obtained a great report by faith. This is very important for you to understand. And then he goes on to list the, the people by name. And he starts off by, from Abel all the way uh, to, uh, you know, to Noah and to Enoch. And then he, he goes on to talk about Abraham and Sarah and then David and Samuel. And then he goes on to talking about people who have no names. Uh, he, 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 not no names, they had names during those seasons, but, but here they've, they've entered into the, the hall of faith, but their names are not known. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, what they've done and how they've accomplished these things and the sufferings that these people have gone through. And then I want you to go to chapter 11 and I want us to read two, two verses there, 39 and 40. And, and this is really the context of, of the hall of, hall of faith and also chapter 12, all right? And in verse 39, he says this, and all these, he's talking about Abel all the way to the people who have, whose names are not mentioned here, having obtained a good testimony. I want you, uh, I want you now to, uh, to go to Hebrews chapter 11 uh, and we'll read verse one again, one and two. And it says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2 is what I really want to talk about. It says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony, a good report, a good testimony. So by faith they obtained a good testimony. Here in verse 39, it says this, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Now, what I want to talk about right here is that these people who are mentioned in the hall of faith, okay, have obtained a good testimony, but they didn't, did not inherit the promise. So, what does that say about them? It says that they are in this chapter, they obtained a good testimony, they, that God testifies of them, people testify of them, not of their breakthroughs, but of their faith. They obtained good testimonies, not because of the miracle signs and wonders that happened in their life, but because of their, they, they held on to their faith regardless of what happened in their life. See, a lot of times we, we talk about uh, people who have great faith according to the measure of breakthrough that they experience in their life. Oh man, you know, th this person prophesied and oh wow, you know, th this miracle happened. And oh my goodness, you know, he said this and or she said this and, and you know, people started coming out of wheelchairs and oh my gosh, you know, there was a cloud in the room and gold dust started falling and people started losing weight and all of that kind of stuff. And we attribute all these mighty miracles to a person's faith. But actually speaking, your faith is not tested when you receive a breakthrough. Because every breakthrough that we receive, we receive by the grace of God. It's not by our works, but it is by Jesus' works on the cross that we experience righteousness and justification and sanctification. We experience these things. It's not to our credit that we experience the breakthroughs that we experience in our life. It's because of the grace of God. It's not because of your faith that you experience breakthroughs. And I really want you to understand this very carefully. We have been taught that our faith is what gives us the breakthrough. 
No, it is the grace of God that gives us the breakthrough. It is by grace that we receive every single breakthrough in our lives, ladies and gentlemen. So what is it about these guys? What is it, what it is, what these guys have done in their life is no matter how difficult life was for them, no matter how difficult the race, their, their race was, they did not give up on their faith in God. And that's the reason why they find themselves in this chapter, in this hall of faith. I mean, you look, about, you look at Abel's life. I mean, the guy just brought a sacrifice one day and his brother kills him. It was not his fault. God accepted his sacrifice and he gets murdered. Come on now. We, 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 I, want you, I want to read now. I want to read the, 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 the people who, whose names are not mentioned in this hall of faith. Okay? I, I, want you, uh, I, want, I want you to see what these people experienced. Okay? And why their names are in this, in this book. Okay? It says this. In, uh, in, in verse 35, it says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. 36, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, and of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Verse 39. And all these having obtained a good testimony. Man, I'm telling you, when we read this, if we were to experience even a little bit of what these guys experience, it's not a good testimony to some of us. For us, we love to celebrate only the good things that happen in our lives, the things that happened by God's grace. We think it happened by our faith, but actually it happened by God's grace. See, it's the testimony of Jesus that is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus begins to do things in your life. But what happens when those things don't happen in your life? What happens to your faith? What happens to your faith? Do you give up just because you're going through a storm in your life? Do you give up on Jesus? Do you give up on, your, on what you believe, what Jesus has spoken to you, the words that God has given you? Do you give up on that? Do you give up on your faith? Because the testimony, you obtaining a good testimony has to do with you not giving up on your faith in the gospel. You not giving up on your faith in who God said he is to you. You not giving up on, on who God calls you. What his plan and purpose is for your life. See a lot of times we, we look at what happens to these people in the Bible. And, and we think that, oh shucks, that, that these guys were, were scourged. They were, were sawn in half. I mean, they were stoned. Some of them were wandering around in the desert in sheepskin, living in dens and caves. This was their life. And, and somehow... These people landed up in this chapter. But you don't talk about how many people got saved. <laughs> you, they, yeah, they don't talk about how many people got healed. They don't talk about how many, how many people were, uh, got, got set free from being demon possessed. They don't talk about the multitudes that got saved. But they're talking about their suffering. 
And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. We must understand, ladies and gentlemen, that, that what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us today is that the people before Jesus had a race to run. The people after Jesus have their own race to run. The people before Jesus, I'm talking about from the time of Abel all the way down to Jesus, had a responsibility. And the people after Jesus have a race and a responsibility. And today I'm going to make you understand what is the will of God for our lives, the perfect will of God for our lives. Okay? So, it says, let's read verse 39 again. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Which means, all these people who are in the book of faith, who are in the hall of faith, are running their race, but also they're running our race. We are, we are born into a race, okay? We're born, not race as in, you know, which, where you're from, but we're, we're a running race, okay? A race called life, okay? And we're all, now we've come into this race, we're all running our individual races, but we're also in one race, okay? You, you'll understand it soon. And he's saying this, they ran their race, but they did not receive the promise, okay? God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us, you and me. So what is this? What is this promise? Okay, so I want you now to, to read uh, Hebrews 11 and we'll, we'll read verses 9 and 10, okay? It says this, By faith he, that is Abraham, dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Okay, so we must understand that God gave Abraham a promise. He made a covenant with Abraham. Okay, and he gave him a promise. But Abraham lived in the promised land, okay, as if he was a foreigner. So we think that God told that the promised land is the, is the, is the land. Wow, it's the, it's the place where God wanted Israel to dwell. Yes, it is. But there was, a, there was a bigger promise than that. Okay, and so here we see that he, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, which means the promise that God gave to Abraham was not only for him, but it was for Isaac and Jacob also, which means every single generation, even till today, is part of that promise. Okay, now I'm going to tell you what that promise is. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. God is speaking to Abraham and he gives him a promise that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky and grain of sand on the earth, which means his inheritance was not just a land, although he inherited a land, was not just a son, although he had a son, but there was a greater promise that God gave to Abraham. What was that promise? It was that he waited for the city 
which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God, which means he was waiting for a city, which was a, a, the nations were his inheritance. The Bible says, ask of me the nations and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Jesus says that you will be like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He, call, he says, he says to, to his disciples, you are the light of the world. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And he begins to make these, these statements. And then he goes on in, in Matthew 16. He says, you know, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we, we see that, that Jesus is building something that was meant to be Abraham's inheritance or is Abraham's inheritance. Abraham's inheritance was not just something that was land or, or a son or, or just have many children. Although Abraham wanted to have that, but God's intention for Abraham was, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a word. I want you to now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything and I want you to go to a place, right? Go to a place that I'm calling you, right? So Abraham says, where? He said, just go. And so Abraham leaves everything and he follows the word of God. You must understand. He didn't go to a place. God didn't give him direction to a place. He gave him a word. And Abraham followed the word. So in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. So now we must understand that, that the inheritance that Abraham had was the ecclesia that Jesus is building. The kingdom that Jesus came to establish is a, a kingdom of people. It's a kingdom of priests. It's a kingdom of priests unto God. And Abraham's inheritance was that. Our inheritance is nothing but the kingdom of God. It's the ecclesia. The people who are sitting in your church are your inheritance. The people who, who are in your life group, the, the reason why God placed you in that life group is because that is your inheritance. So when the ecclesia, now when, when God begins to grow you, he gives you his word and he begins to grow you precept upon precept. He builds you into his house. He builds you into his son. So the, so the inheritance that Abraham was going to receive, he, he wasn't waiting for, he, 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 although he was in the land, he lived like a foreigner in the land because he was waiting for a city, a city, the new Jerusalem, that, 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 that God had revealed to him that the writer of Hebrews is saying he was waiting for a city. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we must understand that they had a race to run. You have a race to run. We must understand that, this, that Abraham is still waiting for his inheritance. He's not yet received his inheritance. Even the disciples after Jesus are still waiting for their inheritance. Why? Because God destined that they would not be perfect until we finish our race. Ladies and gentlemen, the people who were prior to Jesus, although they were living in different seasons, in different times, in different countries, in different, on different continents, even though they were, they were not all together in one particular time, they all ran their own race. They ran their race in such a way that they 
abandoned their personal life. They abandoned their, their own desires and they followed a voice. You must understand, Abraham was just sitting in, in, in the park one day. He was just sitting, chilling with the sheep and he hears a voice and he's compelled in his heart to follow the voice. Every choice that Abel made, Enoch made, Noah made, Abraham made, Sarah made, all the way down to David and Samuel. All of these people, every choice that they made in their life was compounding to a moment. Their race that they ran, every choice that they made compounded to the manifestation of Jesus on the earth. They, God, every time God spoke to Abraham, every time God spoke to a man of God in the Old Testament, every time he spoke to a prophet, the purpose of speaking to humanity in that time was only one thing, for the promise of the Savior to come. The manifestation of Jesus, the Christ, the manifestation, the physical manifestation. So every time they obeyed God, it compounded, compounded, compounded. What were they obeying? They were obeying the word. Every time they obeyed the word, it compounded to the manifestation of Jesus up until the time that Jesus came. So the fullness of time was the compounded consciousness of Christ, the word, from the time of Abel all the way down to Mary. She said, be it unto me according to your word. When the fullness of time had come, the compounded consciousness of Jesus had come, he came in, in flesh. But that was their race to run. You must understand that these people had left everything and followed the word. They left everything and followed the word. Now, post Jesus, we look at the disciples who also left everything and followed the word. And we see now that they've run their race and it's our time to run our race. And the choices that you and I make every single day determines whether we compound the second coming of Jesus. Every choice that we make today, if it's being led by the Holy Spirit, uh, if, if, we're, if we're being led by the Word of God, if we're led by the Word of God and we're led by the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, you are running your race and that race, every single individual in the kingdom of God who's making a choice to follow Jesus, who's making a choice to obey His Word, abandon everything and obey His Word, has, God has only one mission in mind, one purpose in mind for your life. What is that? Manifestation of the Christ, the second coming of Jesus on earth as He is in heaven where the head and the body come together and become one, where he rules and reigns on earth. You must understand what our responsibility. It is not just getting financial breakthroughs. It is not just getting healings. It's not just getting miracle signs and whatever. It's not about that, ladies and gentlemen. That is a byproduct. Seek first the kingdom, the ecclesia. Seek first the dominion of God on the earth. And all these things will be added unto you. It is there from the life of Abraham. He obeyed the voice of God and everything that he needed was added unto him. See, a lot of us are only focused on trying to get our next breakthrough, 
I, I have faith for my next breakthrough. I have faith only for, for my next job. I have faith for, oh, for my finances. I have faith for marriage. I have faith for uh, this relationship and that relationship. I have faith. But ladies and gentlemen, we must understand today, I want to present this context to you so that we can understand that it is not about you and me. It's about Him. We've been born, we've been birthed into a race. And that race is the manifestation. There's a compounding of the consciousness of the second coming of Christ in our lives. Whether you like it or not, you are in this race. And this race is not about you, but it is about God is using you to manifest Jesus on the earth. Manifest the Christ on the earth. But if we make our life about us, then we're missing the point of our existence. Our creator, if we believe that God is our creator and he has created us and he's given, he has a plan and purpose for our lives, ladies and gentlemen, that plan and purpose is for you to manifest Christ on the earth. It is for you to obey God's word and as you obey God's word, you begin to manifest Christ. The more people in our church and our community begin to obey the word of God, not anything else, just the word of God, God begins to manifest Christ. The second coming of Jesus is faster than we think. But it will be faster because the church has begun to understand its mission. Its mission, the mission of church, the, the mission of the church of Jesus Christ is not to have more churches. The mission that we're on is to manifest Christ on the earth. To manifest the ecclesia, to manifest the body of Christ on the earth. To manifest the king's dominion on earth. He is coming, ladies and gentlemen. He is coming. But when we step into a place where we understand our role, our role is really not about us. Our role is not about, oh, me, 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 me. It's not about you or me. It's about Jesus. It's about we're on this race. Every choice that we make, my goodness, determines whether Christ will come fast or not, whether Christ will come sooner or not. Just imagine if Abraham... One day heard a voice that says, hey, leave your family and go. I'm calling you and I'm giving you, I'm giving you this inheritance as your promise. What if he said, nah, I'm just hearing voices. Let me just, I have a, I have a good life, man. I have, this life is good for me. I, I, I like it. I don't want to go anywhere. This life is full of suffering. I don't want that. I, I, I like this. This is about me, about my family, about my sheep. And yeah, I'm good. Everything is fine. I don't, I don't, don't rock the boat. What if Abraham had to do that? God would definitely choose somebody else. But Abraham was so compelled by, by the word in his heart that he obeyed that voice. And because he obeyed that voice, it set in motion. Christ, Jesus, coming to the earth. What is the race you are running? Are you running a race for a career? Are you running your race to become a lawyer, a doctor? Are you running a race to become a pastor? Are you running a race to become a filmmaker? 
Are you running your race to get another job so that you can pay your bills and have a family and have a you know a picket fence life? Is that is that the race that you're running on? Because if you're if the race you're running on is comfortable, then I want to tell you you're on the wrong path. Because these people who who uh, that is mentioned in in chapter eleven, right? They 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 stepped into a life of suffering. Now, I'm not saying that God is calling you to suffer, but I'm just saying that, that the path that God is calling us on is not an easy path. This word race that is mentioned here, that word race in Greek is actually, the, is, is, the word race is actually derived from the Greek word agone, which is where we get the word agonizing from. The, and, he, and Paul here, uh, sorry, the, the writer of Hebrew, Hebrews is saying that this race is an agonizing race and you need endurance because this race is agonizing. It's painful. The path, the path that God has called us to is not an easy path. The life that God has called us to is not an easy life. It's a life which involves suffering. It involves persecution. It involves a, a, a lot of accusation and it involves offenses and, and all of that stuff. It, it, in itself, the life that God has planned for you and me, the path to being Christ-like, to manifesting Christ is not an easy path. But you are here. God has destined, God has planned that you were the perfect person, you and I are the perfect people to bring in this time so that we could increase the consciousness of Christ to beckon his coming. See, there's a great deception in the church. When I'm saying the church, I'm talking about the whole body now. And the deception is this, that the existence of the church is for self. That people are the focus of the existence of the church. The church, the ecclesia, is a gathering of people to govern the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about you and me, ladies and gentlemen. It's about manifesting Christ on the earth. And for, for a long time, church, the, the, the organization called church has become a seeker-sensitive organization or a service. They provide services that make you feel comfortable, that make you feel loved, that make you feel, uh, you know, that, that you are, that this is family and all of these things. And there's nothing wrong with it, but also at the same time, it is, it is creating a deception that makes you think that if, this church now begins to preach a word that, that is a hard pill to swallow. Now I'm going to find another church where people are nicer to me, where, where, people may, where, where people, the focus is me. Every time the focus is me, Christ is not being manifested. In a church, in an ecclesia, when the focus is not the kingdom, when the focus is not manifesting Christ, we've, we've entered into deception. It's not about you, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about obeying his will on earth as it is in heaven. God has a perfect will. The race that you and I are running today is not a race for breakthroughs. It's not a race for who has the biggest church. It's not a race for who has the most successful ministry. It's a race personally. You and I are running on this race individually to reveal Christ. So if you were to look at your life today, how much of Christ, what is your testimony? Because these guys have a good testimony. Their testimony was about their faith 
in Jesus, which means that even though their bodies were sewn in half, they, they were cut in half, they did not give up on their faith. My God, today if you don't have a job for five months, six months, seven months, you just want to throw up everything, give up and walk away and leave the country. Tomorrow if you don't have kids, you want to, you, you know, like, oh, come on, this marriage is not working out. I don't have children, so I'm going to get a divorce. I mean, little things throw people completely off their race. And I want to tell you something, that when these things are happening in your life, the enemy is at work because you are just about to experience a breakthrough. You are just about to manifest Christ. See, for us, our breakthrough is not the miracle signs and wonders, not the jobs and the, and the better jobs and the salaries. And although that's just, those are byproducts, our breakthrough is when we begin to manifest Christ, manifest Jesus, the word applied manifesting Christ. That is what God has called us to. Not doing church politics and church drama and gossip and all of this nonsense that happens in the world. Getting who's being elected, who's not being elected. Man, let me tell you something. When the ecclesia decide, it is established on earth as it is in heaven. You and I have to come together and agree on establishing the kingdom. Not my will, but God's will be done. Even Jesus said it. Lord, my father, not my will, but your will be done. The race of faith, the race called life, is a difficult race, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus says, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life, okay? But wide is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction. So which means, if you're looking for the comfortable Christian life, this is not about heaven and hell now. Must understand, you got saved by believing the gospel and the gospel includes a life where you will experience suffering. It is not easy. But your responsibility is to not give up. Not give up on your faith in the word of God, right? Right. So now he says this, therefore we also since we are surrounded by all Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Samuel, all these people, Noah, Enoch, Abel, all these people now surrounding us. They're, they're literally surrounding you and they're watching now. What choices are you going to make? Are you going to choose Christ? Because the, more, the less you obey the word of God, they have to wait for their promise. They have to wait for their reward. The more you obey the word of God, the more we're all perfected, including these guys. All right? So, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay? Now, the key word that you must understand here is the word surrounded. We are surrounded by witnesses. There's so many of them that they look like a cloud. Okay? And even though we have these witnesses around us, the writer of Hebrews saying, let us lay aside every weight and the sin 
which so easily ensnares us. Which means the, the road, the path that God has for us is difficult in itself. It is tough in itself. It in, involves suffering in itself. It involves pain and all that kind of stuff. Apart from that, there's another guy who's trying to stop us from finishing this race. Come on now. There's another guy, there's another, whether you want to call it a devil or whatever you want to call it, there's, a, there's someone else who wants you to not fulfill, not obey, not be submitted, not apply the word in your life. So now, he's saying, let us lay aside every weight. That word weight over there is actually, now you must understand, we're all running a race, okay? We're running, we're on this path, it's difficult. Oh my God, there's suffering. Oh, there's storms. All that kind of stuff is happening in our lives, okay? We're running. Now, while we're running, we have a guy who is now shooting arrows at us. Like Robin Hood. Shooting arrows at us. Now, this word weight over there is it's not, a, it's not a backpack or dumbbells that he puts on us and, you know, like crossfitters, they run like that with dumbbells and weights and all that kind of... He's not talking about that. These are not the weights that make us stronger. But these are the, the arrowheads that, that are on, on an arrow that the enemy takes and he shoots at us. These are words. These are accusations. These are slanders that come at us. These are lies of the enemy that the enemy puts in people's minds. And these people now begin to judge us. They begin to shoot these arrows at us. So the enemy goes to a person and he begins to highlight the flaws, you, your flaws and my flaws to them. And so what happens now? These people get offended because of your flaws and my flaws. They get offended with you and me. And so now the enemy now takes an accusation and he puts it in their quiver. And they take that quiver now and at the right time, while you're running your race, they shoot it at you. And this arrow comes and it pierces into you. How do you know that? It's because you were on Facebook and you saw that comment. Uh, or you, 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 you were sitting with somebody else and they told you, hey man, this is what this person is saying about you. Or you saw this message or they, they send you a message or they call you and they accuse you of this and they accuse you of that and they say this about you and they say that about you. Now, if you believe it, listen to me very carefully. If you believe it, you are receiving the arrow of the devil. You are receiving the arrow accusations into your body. And now you have an issue. You're wounded. You're hurt. And you're running your race. Now this word weight here is actually the arrow head. The tip of the arrow is stuck in your soul. It's stuck in your body and it is making you bleed while you're trying to run your race and it is slowing you down. See, we've, you know, we're, we're pretty good Christians. We've figured, out, we've figured out a religious way for people to, to look at us and think that we're not wounded. We have arrows that, that were shot into us and we've, we've heard this information. We got these accusations and it hurts. Oh, it's hurting, man. Shucks. Why did, I love that guy. I love that woman. I love that, that, that child. I love these people. And, and, and yet they say these things about me and these things are shot in us. And, and now when we go about other Christians, we go to life group or we go hang out with other Christians and now they need to know 
We need, the, the people start pretending like as, as if everything is okay. And what we're doing is we're breaking the arrow and dealing with the external so that people don't see that we have unforgiveness issues in our life. We have hurt, hurt issues in our life. We have bitterness issues in our life. And we've broken the arrow and we're walking around as if, as if we are, everything is fine. Everything is fine. Whoa, everything is fine. I love that brother. Oh my God, I love that sister. Oh my goodness, you know, Jesus loves them. Hallelujah, I pray for them every day. But actually on the inside, you're bleeding. You're dying on the inside. And the enemy is watching all the fun. He's watching you now. You are running. At one point in time, everything was fine in church. And you were running, you race, and you were like, wow, Jesus, you were praying for the sick and they were getting healed and you were doing this and, and your faith in God was strong until one day somebody shot an arrow at you and then now you look stuck. <laughs> you have an arrow and you don't know how to deal with this arrow because they shot you at the back. They put a knife in your back. They betrayed you and you can't take out this knife that's in your back and there's pain you're feeling pain you think about these people and and there's bitterness and anger issues on the inside of you and you think that you're running your race actually you're slowing down and that is the plan of the enemy we have a broken arrow stuck on the inside of our hearts And we don't know how to deal with it. And he says, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. This word sin which so easily ensnares us is actually actually called, um, if you look at it in in the Greek, it's actually uh, uh, something that encircles us, a clever plan that encircles us like a web, it encircles, like a spider's web, it encircles around us, we don't know it's happening. It's the sin, it's the sin issues, not, not, not just, I'm not talking about habits, now I'm talking about unbelief in God's word. And this is the faith that these guys were talking about, that, the, that Hebrews chapter 11 talks about. No matter what was happening, they never gave up on their faith in God. They, they kept strong, they, they kept being faithful to God. No matter what, whether they had no jobs, whether they had no money, they were destitute, they were living in caves, but they did not give up on their faith. But see, for us today, the comfort life is a temptation. And we have now the enemy. He knows where you are weak. See, God chooses not to remember your past, but the enemy does. He remembers your past. He knows exactly where you're weak. And he comes to you and if you're not, if your eyes are not on Jesus and you get distracted, he comes to distract you. Have you ever seen a marathon runner uh, getting distracted? They never look anywhere else except where they need to go. You look at a sprinter, a sprinter is not running like this. (laughs) Usain Bolt does not, does not look at where the people are until he reaches the finish line. When you are running your race, the number one goal of the enemy is to get you distracted. He shoots an arrow at you so that you can look at yourself. You can look, who loves me? 
Nobody loves me. I feel alone. All of a sudden, I just feel alone. Yes, you are on your own race. It's not called the race of a family. It's not called husband and wife race. You are on your own path, my brother. You are on your own path, my sister. And the enemy is targeting you, shooting arrows at you. People around you shooting arrows, putting bad thoughts in your mind. And little by little, you are bleeding out. And the enemy so smartly knows that you had alcohol issues before. And he'll bring people around you who have alcohol, who, who, are, who have a conscious, conscience that, that, that is strong when it comes to alcohol. And they drink around you and they don't believe it's sin. But then you are slowly in your heart. He circles around you. Cigarettes are okay. He circles around you. Circles around you. Eventually, this is what the snare looks like. It looks like your, your legs are tied up and you are trapped and you can't run. And that's when you actually fall into sin. He trips you. Because he's put a stumbling block in place because he knows exactly what you're doing, what you were and what you're doing right now. And he trips you and you fall into sin. And then he keeps shooting arrows at you. And now you're dealing with guilt and you're dealing with condemnation. And you feel like, oh man, my heart is so cold. My heart is so far from God. How? Oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. How can I get up? How can I even face, you know, God has been so good to me. How can I even, how could I do this? How could I do this? And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. But the writer of Hebrews is saying this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. The sin is actually every time you have unbelief in your life, when you don't believe God's word, he's saying you're in a snare. It's very smart. He comes to you and he circles around you. And every word that he gives you that makes you believe the knowledge of good and evil will cause you not to believe in God's word. Every time, if God promised you that you will have a breakthrough in your job, the enemy will come and he will tempt you to believe something else. That some other place, some other country, some other nation is better than this place. Some other woman, when you're married, some other woman is more beautiful than your wife. Some other man is more better than your husband. Somebody else looks after their children better than you do. These are all the lies of the enemy. And it comes and it traps you. And it causes you to come out of faith. Causes you to lose your faith in God. But he says, let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, he goes on to say. That Jesus was despised. Jesus endured the cross. He was despised. He was rejected. He was shamed. But for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. What is your joy that God has set before you? Now we must understand the joy that was set before Jesus was, was, the, was the restoration of humanity to their heavenly father. But today, Jesus has stepped into the joy of the Lord. He has stepped into the joy of his father. 
Because you, he has created the provision for all of humanity to become restored with their father. But what is your incentive? Your joy and my joy, ladies and gentlemen, is to manifest Christ on the earth. Every time we see Christ manifest on the earth, we have entered into the joy of the Lord. What gives Jesus joy is when you and I keep our eyes focused on that joy. We keep our eyes focused. No matter what is happening in our life, we stay focused on that joy. And we run our race. No matter what happens around us, we stay obedient to His Word. When we stay obedient to His Word, we begin to manifest his kingdom on earth, his dominion on earth as it is in heaven. The broken arrow and the webs that he places in our lives both come to, to trip us off the course. It causes us to fall in sin. It causes us to remain in sin, remain in unbelief that God doesn't love you, that God hasn't saved you. You are beyond saving. God hasn't saved people. And he causes you to trip and he causes you to fall over and over and over again. It's because the enemy, you know, he has, he has arrows that he shoots at us. Fiery darts of the enemy. They come at us. These thoughts, these words, these little, these little sin habits, these, little un, these things that cause us to not believe in the word of God. These things trip us. These broken arrows and spider webs, they trip us, they trap us. And they cause us to live in a cycle of destruction. Where we don't just not only destroy our lives, but we also destroy the people around us. We destroy our families and our friends. So how do we get out of these traps? The first way that we get out of the trap is in the word lay aside. He says, let us lay aside every weight, which means, that word, that word lay aside means to abandon. It means to renounce. It means to reject. You and I, while we're running our race and, and the enemy comes with an accusation against us and he shoots that accusation against us, Jesus says these offenses will come. Okay, so when it does, when it does come and it shoots, when he shoots uh, these accusations at you, it'll come through people that are closest to you. <laughs> it will come through people who are most familiar with you. They know your flaws. And it will come through them. And when it comes through them, you have a choice. If you react to it, it means that you've believed it. If you've believed it, it means you've received the arrow into your soul and your conscience has been seared. But here, what the writer of Hebrews is saying, Hebrews 12, he's saying this, renounce it, reject it, refuse it. The Bible says, take every thought captive and submit it at the feet of Jesus. You know, I'll tell you something. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves to the Lord, right? Resist the devil and he will flee. Every time 
an accusation comes, every time slander comes, every time bitterness, hatred, jealousy, envy, all of these things, every time they come at us, every time uh, sin habits come at us, every time these, these cleverly webbed um, uh, you know, traps, you must understand, the, every time they come at us, we have a choice. We have a choice to either get bitter or better. If you want to get better, the way you get better is by rejecting, is by resisting, is by saying, I refuse that word. I renounce that word. And when you renounce that word, you are allowing that, that, that firstly, that arrow not to affect you. And if it has affected you and you were hurt in the past, that renouncing of that word, renouncing of that accusation, removing that accusation out of your conscience would really remove that arrowhead out of your body, out of your soul. It removes it. A lot of people can say a lot of things about you and me. But you have the choice. You and I have the choice to believe it or not. If you choose to not believe it, you don't even need to respond. You don't even need to respond to the accusations. But if you have believed it, if you have believed a lie about yourself, if you've been hurt by somebody, if you've been betrayed by somebody and that arrowhead is still stuck in you, you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal where it is. And when he begins to reveal it, he reveals the person it came through. Now you begin to renounce that word from your life. You reject that word. You do a conscience cleanse. You do a cleanse of the soul. You allow God's word to come and take place in that place. God's word begins to come and heal you on the inside. His blood begins to come and heal you and cleanse you on the inside of you. So the way we deal with these spider webs in our life, these traps that are set on the floor, one way is by understanding that God chooses to not remember your past. If God chooses to not remember your past issues, then you must make a choice to move on. Move on means run your race. Take that step forward and begin to run forward without looking behind. Because the more you look behind, the reason why you're looking behind is because the enemy is setting traps for you. Every time people come into your life and begin to remind you of your past, you have to reject those words. You have to move forward. The way you deal with those spider webs is by, by having the word of God on the inside of you and the word of God illuminates you to see the traps the enemy has set. To see the words, the, the accusations that are coming. You know, I'll tell you something. We've... We're not, Kelsey and I are not foreigners to accusations and slandering and all that kind of stuff. We're not foreigners to it. We've been through this before. And we can see an arrow shot at us from a distance. We can recognize slander. We can recognize the trap of the enemy that is set on, on, on our path. We can see it. People have come and so sweetly they, they put a web of lies around you. They put a web of, of deceit around you and it slowly and slowly, little by little, they set that web around you and instead of the cloud of witnesses around you, now you have a web of lies and deceit and jealousy and envy and all these things that are surrounding you and, it, and like, a, like, a, like a sprinter, as you're running, it begins to close in you and eventually it makes you fall. The way you get out of that place 
is by not, by choosing to believe. The way you get out of that trap by, is by recognizing people are speaking a word that God is not speaking about you. The minute people begin to speak words that God is not speaking about you or other people, recognize that a trap is being set. You must understand, this is very, very important. When there is a thought in your mind that God is not thinking, you have to reject it. Because that is a trap that is being set before you. When people call you, hey, come on, let's have coffee, let's have coffee, let's go, let's go have coffee, or let's have lunch, let's meet for a movie, and they sit down. And when you're sitting around them, and they're not talking about you, but they're talking about somebody else. They're talking about somebody else's sin issues. They're talking about somebody else's, uh, you know, uh, issues in their life. And, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a web that is being cast around you. And if you indulge in that conversation, you are asking for the web to get tighter and tighter around you. If there is a word that comes to you that causes you not to believe in God, not to love God and love people, walk away from it. If there's a conversation that is not honoring to God and not honoring to people, it's a web around you. Walk away from it. Keep walking. Keep moving forward. See, a spider's web is not strong just by a single thread. A spider's web is strong when it is fully webbed around you. When you are trapped, that is when a spider's web is strong around you. So you must recognize that, that the minute you slow down to look at somebody else on your path, just know that the trap is being set. When the enemy causes you to look at yourself and look at your life and what you don't have and, and on all the things that you don't have and, and oh, look how sick you are in your body. Oh, look at what your wife did. Oh, look what your husband did. Look at what the pastor did. Oh my God, look at what this person did and what that person did. The minute he causes you to get distracted from Jesus, he's spinning a web around you. Every word is a thread that keeps binding you. If you don't keep walking forward, if you don't keep moving forward, you will stop and the web of lies will keep surrounding you. I want you now to go to Psalm 109 and we'll read from verses 1 to 4. Verse 1 says, Do not keep silent, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. This is what I was talking about, the distractions. David is on a path and now the enemy has begun to talk now. The, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. This is where it is very powerful. Listen to this, verse 4. In return for my love, they are my accusers. But I give myself to prayer. In return 
for my love, they are my accusers. Wow. But I give myself to prayer. David is in a situation where the people who are closest to him are now beginning to accuse him. There's, there's wickedness. They got distracted on their path and now the enemy is using them to slow David down. You must understand, David was known as a man after God's own heart. God, God's testimony of David is that this guy is after my heart. And now the enemy has come to destroy that testimony by causing David now to fall out. How does he do it? By people who are running the race alongside David. They're running their own race alongside David to now begin to look at themselves and look at things around. And now the closest one have allowed wickedness to come into their heart and now are beginning to accuse David. But David says this, in return for my love, they are my accusers. But I give myself to prayer. In Hebrew, this sentence, I give myself to prayer, actually is the word, I am prayer. What David is trying to say, he says, in return for my love, these people are accusing me, but I have become prayer. He's not saying, I'm praying. He's not saying, God, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Oh God, I'm praying, I'm praying. Give me, give me freedom, give me. He says, no, I have become the prayers that I used to pray. He says, the word that, that I used to pray, that's exactly who I've become. I'm a manifestation of my prayer life. Wow, this is powerful. In a season where arrows are being shot at you from close range, <laughs> what protects David is the manifestation, oh, is the manifestation of the word that he believes. When you are running your race and your eyes are on Jesus and there are accusations coming at you, he is not... Responding to these accusations. Let me send them an email. Let me send them an SMS. Let me go to the newspaper. Let me say this to them. Let me do that to them. But actually, he covers himself with the word that God spoke to him. He puts his faith in the word that God gives him. And now the word begins to manifest itself to a point where the prayers that David prays is what he becomes. And I'm telling you, I'm inviting every single lifer to come into a season where you become prayer. I want you to go to Luke chapter 6 and we'll read from verses 27 and 28. And Jesus is saying this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. This is amazing. Jesus, the standard that Jesus keeps is so high compared to the standard that we live at. And he's saying, but I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those 
who curse you. Bless those who shoot those arrows at you. That word bless over there doesn't mean the bless that, that we think. I want to bless you with a phone or I want to bless you with money. Not that kind of blessing. That word bless over there means speak good of those who curse you. Wow. He's saying speak good of those who speak bad about you. Which means he's saying go, with, go to them with the opposite spirit. If they hate you, love them. If they curse you, speak good of them. Because in loving them and, and speaking good of them, they might not get out of the trap, but you will. You, they might not pull the arrows out of their life, but God will identify the arrows and pull it out of your life. See, you must understand, when people shoot arrows at you, you can reject it. But sometimes, you know, we, we, we are unaware of the things. And it comes from people who are close to us. And when these arrows get in, they hurt. And when you have pain in your heart uh, against something that someone has done to you, there's unforgiveness in your heart. The way you identify that issue in your life, the way you remove it out of your life, is choosing to love the people who hate you. Jesus saying, hey, pray for those. Pray for, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Which means speak good of the people who are speaking bad. So which means if they're going around town speaking bad about you, speak good about them. Speak good about them. Because when you speak good about them, guess what? It may not remove the, the trap that they're in, but it'll remove the trap that you're in. It'll remove the arrow and the, and, the, and the spider's web that is around you, that has trapped you, that has caused you to fall now, that's caused you to look at yourself and look at everything around you. It'll cause you now to remove those things so that you can begin to run the race that God has destined for you. See, the, the, I took my time to build a context because, ladies and gentlemen, it's important for us to understand that we are in a race that is much bigger than us. We are fulfilling something that is much bigger than our life. We are only one part of this big mosaic called Jesus Christ. And the more we get distracted by, by offense, by bitterness, by jealousy, by envy, by hatred, by hurt, by pain, by all of these things, the more we get distracted by it, the less you are transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. But when we obey the word of God, when we obey God's will, when we exercise and we apply the word of God in our life, now we have dominion in every aspect of our life. And the enemy is where he should be, behind us. See, when somebody shoots an accusation against you, you have to send it where it came. Report to sender. Send it back. Reject it. In fact, right now, I want to I I declare over you right now and declare over me that every negative word that was spoken against you will return to its sender in the name of Jesus. We reject those words. We refuse those words. The slander, the backbiting, the gossip, all the negative words, we send it back to the people that sent it to us. We send it back to the enemy that has sent those words to us. Jesus is saying to us, guys, simple, 
Love your enemies. Speak good of those who speak bad about you. And by doing that, you're going to heap coals upon their head. But at the same time, you're going to be set free from every trap that you were involved in, that affected you. So today I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to encourage you to run your race. Don't try to run somebody else's race. You have a race that is set before you that only you can run. I want to encourage you to, to not get distracted by what happens around us. Not get distracted by, by what happens in, in somebody else's life and all that kind of stuff. Just don't worry about that stuff. Just run your race. I want to pray for you now. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that you have revealed our true purpose on the earth. Father, your will for our lives is to manifest the dominion of Christ, to manifest Christ and His kingdom on the earth. What a privilege it is for us to live in this season where God, where, where, where we have been given a much better responsibility than what Abraham had and Isaac had and David had. We've been given a much better responsibility. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for every breakthrough that has happened in our life. But we know it is because of your grace. But Father, tonight, this afternoon, God, we make a commitment to stay focused on Jesus, to stay focused on the race that you have planned for us. The race that you, this, this path that you have for us in our life is for us to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. And Father, if we have allowed ourselves to get distracted by the broken arrows and the, and the webs, the spider webs that the enemy has put in our life, Father, we ask you right now to forgive us, Lord. Release us. Release us from this, this hurt. Release us from this pain. Release us from these, these traps that the enemy has put. The traps of offense and bitterness, God. We ask for your grace to set us free today, Lord, so that we can run this race that you have set before us. And Father, I pray for those who feel lukewarm in their heart, in their relationship with you, people who don't feel loved, people who feel cold in their hearts, in their walk with you, God, I pray that you would set them on fire right now, Lord. That they would begin to experience the energy of Elohim in their heart. They, that these traps would begin to, that you would tear these traps in their life. You would remove these arrows and these arrowheads in their heart, Lord. So that they could, they could re be released from unforgiveness and hurt and bitterness and sin issues and unbelief, God. They could be released from that and they could run the race that you have for them. Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to recognize the fiery darts of the enemy. To recognize the knowledge of good and evil that causes us to not believe in your word. We receive this wisdom, Lord. We receive it by faith. And Lord, today we make a commitment to not get distracted by the enemy. 
We make a commitment to stay focused and run this race. Not walk this race, but run this race. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. So I pray that this week you would really recognize the broken arrows in your heart. You would recognize the spider webs that the enemy has placed in our life. You will recognize them and you would overcome. I declare that this week you will have an overcoming week. You will overcome. I want to declare over you that this week you will embrace the word of God and the word of God will ignite a passion, a fire within you so that you will begin to have the energy to run the race that God has set before you. So I bless you. We love you and we'll see you next week. God bless.